thread. God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread, episode 68, coming to you from Chiang Rai, Northern Thailand. Last Sunday was really precious for us. We went to a seeker's uh, group at someone's house here, and uh, there was a, about a 16-year-old high school girl that came in late, and she came in and sat down beside the teacher, and uh, the teacher started to explain you know, that this girl has been uh, thinking about being a Christian, and it's, it's growing as a conviction in her. And so uh, she turned to her, and she said, are you ready to pray to receive Jesus in front of all of us? And the girl said, I have been ready since last night. And uh, it was just really a beautiful uh, morning there to see her on her knees, and we all got to lay hands on her and watch her make her commitment to the Lord. The gospel is coming, and the gospel changes lives. And as it comes in Asia, people are transformed by it. It's a message they have never heard, and it's beautiful to be here to see it with our eyes. Uh, This episode is entitled The Big Picture, and it's going to help us understand why there is a church and what our mission is in the world uh, to get a handle on the context of preaching. What is our message exactly as Christians, and what is the message that the church is here to bring? So if you don't have your Bible, run and get one. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. We'll be right back with Fred. You know, sometimes I get the feeling that The church has lost its message. It's like we had a message from God, the early church did. We were giving it out, and at some point we lost that message, and now we've been scrambling around for other messages that the world might like to hear that would make them like us and make them maybe listen to us. So we need to return to the book of Acts and go back and look at what they talked about when they had a chance to speak to people. What did they talk about? And that's actually one of the points I want to start on. We're in Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 14. And, uh, you know, the New Testament church understood that preaching was something you didn't do to the church. You preached to the world. And they had an ongoing engagement with the non-Christian world around them. They were speaking to that world. I think we've lost preaching even. We mainly talk to ourselves. And even if you say, yes, but there's Christian TV, I can assure you, my friend, that almost everything said on Christian TV is aimed at a Christian audience. Uh, they are the financial supporters, and the things talked about are things that that group would like to hear about. So we need to return to the pattern of the early church. We teach the church, but we preach to the world. And... Um, you know, yes, we have uh, teaching to the church, eating together, fellowship daily, but preaching, preaching is supposed to be a public thing. And uh, often when we do try to preach these days, we don't deliver the original message, but we've got this multitude of messages now that we're substituting everything from prosperity to your best life now to your family, you know, having a happy family and, you know, just keep going. Um Or I was in a church recently, and they had a new play area for your children, and that was, you know, that was the message. We need to go back and reclaim the core message of the ancient church. So we're going to call this episode The Big Picture. Here's the scene. Uh, We know from chapter 2, 
verses 5 through 13. The Holy Spirit was poured out after they stayed together in the upper room for 10 days seeking God. The Lord fulfilled His promise and poured out His anointing and His power on them, His presence on them, and the Spirit came into them, gave them great supernatural abilities and the boldness to witness and the ability that when they did speak words, it went past people's uh, defenses and went right like an arrow in the heart and planted the message that God had for them. So they've received that, and as they did that, God gave them languages of other nations that they had never learned because he's telling them about their mission. You have a mission to speak to the nations, the message that I've given you, the great gospel message. And so they come out of that room. They're in the street, still speaking in tongues. A huge crowd gathers, and this crowd has heard the sound of wind, and the crowd arrives, and there's a, there's a, uh, God has set up uh, a supernaturally ordained crowd gathering, attention focusing event to platform not the early church, how great it is to be in the early church, and you need to now join the early church. That isn't what the platform was. And the platform is not for Simon Peter, the new leader. The platform that God has ordained, that he drew the crowd to, to see. There's only one person on the platform, and that is Jesus Christ, Son of God, risen from the dead, Lord of the spirit world, Lord of all mankind. And Peter stands up anointed to introduce Jesus. And he introduces Jesus to them with boldness and with this new Holy Spirit power. In verse 14, we'll see that Peter takes charge of this crowd. He has an earnest, respectful, but uh, authoritative tone. And this is a characteristic of the teaching of Jesus. Jesus didn't finish teaching and go kind of, sort of, you know, but who am I? It's just my opinion. And sometimes I hear people talk like that now when they are, you know, speaking publicly for the Lord. And it's just way too unconvincing. They don't seem to be to have conviction of their own. But when people heard Jesus speak, they always said, man, such authority. And now here's Peter, and he's got the same authority. This is a massive crowd of men, you know, and men from different points of view. They are not necessarily friendly to this group. And some have started mocking them, verse 13, saying, these are drunken men speaking in tongues. Peter stands up, the eleven come and stand beside him for solidarity, and he raises up his voice to take charge of this situation. Men of Judah, all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed or pay attention to my words. And the crowd goes silent. And Peter counters the malicious accusation. These are not drunk people. It is only nine in the morning. And that's important. We have to thank God for uh, Ravi, Zacharias, and other modern day, it's called being an apologist, which means that when the world has attacked the Christian faith, someone needs to stand up not on an emotional level and get into a name calling, but on an intellectual level. Someone needs to be anointed to stand up and refute the false charges so that people understand clearly the truth of what's going on. So Peter is playing that role right here. 
They're not drunken. The evidence is against drunkenness. I will tell you what this is, verse 16. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And Peter begins to give uh, a long passage out of Joel's prophecy. It's a beautiful passage. It's found in chapter 2 of Joel's prophecy in the Old Testament, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. And it opens with, and I think this is a really interesting prophecy from Joel, because it, and it forms the heartbeat of what the New Testament church believed that they existed for. Joel doesn't say, I saw a picture of this, or um, I believe this is going to happen. Joel basically is taking dictation, and this is how the sentence starts. It shall come to pass. That's a firm. It shall come to pass. In the last days, says God. This is a quote from God. God himself has a message. First word in that message, that I will pour out. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, you know, the poor, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. You know, this is an outpouring of God's Spirit on the entire nation of Israel. God promised. He said, I will do this. I am going to pour out my Spirit on a group of people that's seeking me from the whole nation. The entire nation of Israel is going to come under this. They're going to be the young men, the young women. They're not allowed to speak. The young men, the young women, the old men, the the poor female servants, and the Lord says, I am pouring my spirit on all of them. And so Israel is going to experience a national outpouring of God's spirit. After this, we'll see in the Bible, Turkey experiences an outpouring of God's spirit across that nation. Then we know through history, the Europeans experience that outpouring. Then the Americans experience the outpouring. Koreans in our lifetime experience this, where we went from a Korea that was 0% Christian to one where about one in three Koreans is part of a born-again congregation. Indonesia, largest Muslim country in the world, in the 90s, in the 80s, tremendous outpouring of God's Spirit, millions, tens of millions of people coming to Christ. The Philippines, the same thing happening nation by nation as God himself, no human organization does it, It's not the work of man. This is God pouring floods of his presence on an entire nation, sweeping away a people unto himself. And he says, all flesh, everybody, I will move across the planet, all the nations, all the people, all the colors, all the languages, because this is God's dream. It's God's dream of what his family is all about. And this dream of God's, this global, all-flesh family filled with His Spirit, His Spirit communing with Him, that's why the world was made. That's why mankind is in existence. It's why God is patient and tolerant over and over again, forgiving us for the things that we do. And He draws us back to Himself. And this is the purpose of this book 
is to recount the original patterns of God's outpouring upon the nations as He finds nations and He reaches out to them and He pours out His Spirit and He gathers a harvest of people unto Himself. And this outpouring, we come to understand through this passage, it's not just for our enjoyment. It is in preparation for the awesome, and I use that word correctly, horrible judgment that is coming upon this planet, the judgment day that's coming on the life of every man, woman, boy, and girl, rich and poor, young and old, are going to see the work of God as He shows up on this planet to judge. Now, verses 19 and 20 describe the earth as pregnant. It's pregnant in birth pangs, convulsing, because something new is about to be birthed, and there are signs and there are wonders in the natural order, and these are warnings to all mankind about the coming day of the Lord and the judgment that is coming on their lives. Verse 19, I will show wonders in the heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. I love that phrase. It's just so mysterious and poetic. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it is that event, my friends, the day of the Lord, that calls the church into existence. And it is that event that gives us our mandate and gives us our purpose for being. You know, in the last 10 years, we've seen tsunamis, volcanoes, earthquakes, flooding, warning signs. Right now I'm in Thailand. Thailand has gone through a tsunami a couple of years ago. Then last year, political churnings, and now the worst floods in a century. So much of this country is underwater, and God is speaking louder and louder to a perverse, sin-loving, God-hating generation that calls good evil and evil good and he is warning them across the nations repeatedly that there's coming to be a sudden appearance of the Lord and swift judgment, cataclysmic events to bring this world to a conclusion. It won't go on forever. It will come under fiery judgment. And it's, you know, it's an awesome day that's coming. But then beautifully, the passage ends with verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the midst of this churning, wrestling between a merciful God and sinful mankind, some will hear the promise of mercy in the gospel. And like that young Thai girl, they'll come under conviction that grows upon them and And faith will latch hold of it. They'll believe the gospel and hope, and they will separate themselves from their own sin. And they will separate themselves from the wicked masses of their own people. And they will run to Jesus. And they will call on his name despite the cost. And here's God's promise to them. They shall be saved. These are the last days. And last days were issued in when the church began. There were the first days before the cross, 
and now there were now we're in the season of the last days and you know these last days run out we're starting to see the earth convulsing in ways it has never been this bad but this is as the scripture shows us now it's a season of harvest this is a space for harvesting the nations it's a time for repentance that allows god to extend mercy and grace to these that he loves so much. And that's the big picture. That's the big picture message of the church. We need to take it seriously and internalize it. And it will clarify our life's work because we have a prophetic calling to speak to our generation. Now, we dare not confront this pervasive systemic wickedness in our own strength and with merely human words or how clever can we be. And so God has poured out His Spirit, His power, His anointing on all of His people, male and female, young and old, rich and poor, in all of the nations, all flesh, to equip us, like Simon Peter that day, to speak out to our own people God's word of warning. Because you have to deliver the warning. God's word of warning, a judgment day is approaching, and God's offer of mercy and forgiveness and unthinkably adoption into his own family. God wants to use you, my friend. He wants to use you as his mouthpiece. He has strategically placed you where you are, and he will give you chances to speak. And when those teachable moments arrive and the room goes quiet like it did that day with Peter, You need to seize that moment and speak clearly and lovingly. Look them in the eye and with full assurance, understand that these aren't your words. This is God anointing your lips to speak to them. And the words you say will come from God and they will plant the seed of his word deep in the hearts of your listeners. And that word will grow into faith and some will be saved. May the Lord use you and use me as his servants in this generation. The big picture. Well, that's all for this this edition of Thread. I'd love to hear from you. You can write me directly, chuck at quinley.com. Don't forget we've got an app in the Android Marketplace, so you can download this to your cell phones. Uh, Just look up Thread by Chuck Quinley on Facebook. We've got a page. We've got a group and a page, and I'd like it if you would migrate to the page, please. Thread Podcast. Well, that's all for now. See you next time on Thread. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Log on to Quinley.com.